This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. What's up, everybody? It's Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. Welcome back to the 2010 Final Four. Duke, Coach K, and Rick with no money. (laughs) Rob, some things never change, my friend. Some things never change. Just scraping by for a good time, my friend. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So to give the uh, listeners an idea of what to expect on this podcast episode, a childhood friend of the Brothers Brandt played for the 2009-2010 Duke men's basketball team that won the national championship over Butler in 2010. When Rick was invited to sit courtside next to Coach K's wife in in the team's family and friends section for the Final Four weekend, you bet he got to Indianapolis on the next possible way. Uh, The New York Times dubbed this the most eagerly awaited championship game in years. It was an unseasonably warm spring that April in Indy, and Ricky B brought the heat. Rick took a one-way flight and with $80 cash in his pockets and no debit or credit cards and nowhere to sleep for the week uh, coordinated in advance. It had disaster written all over it, Rick. But somehow, some way, Rick made the best of his time there. And in this exclusive podcast episode, he's going to share with you some of the most epic stories one can possibly imagine. And it's fitting that we're on the uh, we are approaching March Madness in 2022. So, Rick, um, you know, 
absolutely crazy. Uh, one of our friends walked on Duke's basketball team and was a part of the team that won the ACC championship, then went to the final four, won the national championship. And you walk us through that phone call when uh, Casey called you. Rob, it would be my honor, my privilege to get into the details of how this legendary trip went down. And you're right. One of our childhood friends, he had reached out to us really before the season even had started. And he just felt really good about the team's chances to make it to the final four. And he had said in a group text to all of us, and he repeated it month after month. Listen, guys, if we make it to the final four, I got you tickets. You guys are coming out. All right. I want you all there. And he just, as the season progressed, continued to double down on the invitation. And I just continued to be, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then they go on to win the ACC championship. They get seated number one in their region in the final four, excuse me, in the March Madness. And they're well on their way to the final four. And when they do win in the elite eight matchup, once again, the invitation at this point is as extended as it possibly could be. And Rob, as mentioned by yourself, I hopped on the next flight out to Indianapolis with no arrangements of where I would sleep, no arrangements for transportation, nope. and virtually no money in my pocket. Yet, as our listeners have figured out by now through the first 100 episodes of this podcast, we make the most of absolutely nothing. And that's exactly what happened when I got out to Indianapolis. In fact, I remember you phoning a friend, somebody that you may or may not have really been in touch with at all. And um, somehow this gentleman picked me up at the Indianapolis airport at around 10.30 p.m. local time. There was nobody around. It was deserted. And we drove to his apartment. I crashed on his couch. And the weekend was underway, Rob. Yes, sir. Yes, it was. And Rick, this was, to give the picture uh, for our listeners, um, it was the first ever Final Four in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Duke was making their first appearance since 2004. West Virginia was making their second appearance and first since 1959. Butler, the host school, made their first ever appearance because they play in Indianapolis. Michigan State, the national runner-up from 2009, was appearing in their sixth uh, Final Four under Coach Izzo. The March Madness Selection Sunday Final Four invitation from Casey Peters and autograph team poster was epic in the beginning Rob, of the year. He had given me, like you said, at the beginning of the year, this autograph team poster of all of the players from that team that would go on to win the national championship. So here, the Brothers brand have one of the best memorabilia pieces from that season. And uh, it Epic. all is courtesies of a childhood friend. And uh, yeah, I mentioned it, one-way flight out there. And the reason why I took a one-way flight, Rob, was because the March Madness Final Four takes place on a Saturday evening where there's two games back-to-back. -back. It is a thrilling ticket. If any of our listeners out there Enjoy college basketball. Highly recommend you get to a Final Four because you get to watch two games back-to-back -back and the atmosphere is electric. But if Duke had lost that night, Saturday evening, they were going to be on the next flight back to Durham, North Carolina, 
And I was going to be without a ticket for Monday night's national championship game. So that is the reason why I bought a one-way ticket and not a round-trip ticket. Yeah, You just never know when, you know, which team's going to move on. Uh, and, and talk about, so you got in there on, was it Thursday night or Friday night? It was a Thursday night I get into town. And then on Friday, they do this open to the public practice, which is so neat. All four teams at staggered times are doing a practice on Friday afternoon inside Lucas Oil Stadium. No tickets are purchased for this. The doors are basically open to anybody that wants to come in. And at that point, your friend, the host for Thursday evening, drove us into downtown Indianapolis. And we went in there and we watched some practice. We watched Duke practice. We watched all the other teams practice. But then he had to get going. And he didn't have a ticket for the Final Four or that weekend. So he was shooting back up to Bloomington, which is where he was going to college at the time. And you and I, we were still in college, too. So uh, here I was, just a college kid out there, didn't really know anybody. But what I did do was after that practice, Friday, late afternoon, evening, I finally got a chance to see my buddy. And I met up with him in his hotel room. And he basically put me in touch with a few Duke people that I could crash with and that helped for a good decent amount of the weekend. And uh, as we'll get to here in a little while, I did have to improvise a little bit, but nonetheless, um, I started to then just enjoy myself. I was by myself. It was so, so bizarre. So Thursday. Of- so hold on. So Thursday you stayed with uh, the friend in Indy in, in Bloomington and then right. Friday you came up and then who'd you stay with on Friday night? So he uh, had like an older brother who was in town. They worked for Capital One. Capital One was like a big sponsor, as we all know, of March Madness. So they had tickets to things. And I ended up meeting up with like his brother. And then, uh, geez, I mean, I stayed, I think, at their uh, hotel room, but there were like a ton of people in the hotel room. Wait, the, fe- the friend's brother? The, the friend's brother. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so... Um, but Rob, here's what was so crazy was that none of our other friends from growing up who all got the same invitation I did from New Jersey ended up making out to Indianapolis. So I'm the only person out there flying solo. And as you know, when you're by yourself, you can basically do and go wherever you want to go. And they had Indianapolis is such a great host city. They had so much fanfare, their conventions, um, the NCAA headquarters is actually located in downtown Indianapolis, where there's the NCAA Hall of Fame. And uh, there was just so much fun stuff to do. I went over to the convention center. I had myself a ball Saturday morning, early afternoon. But Rob, it was time for the Final Four. And this was my first time ever going to the Final Four. I showed up to the stadium hours, hours before the gates even opened up. I was just amped to go. I dress the part, Rob. And how do you dress for a final four? Do you say it's tough? But what I did was I went jeans, nice dress shoes. I went with a button down with a tie. Okay. And then I did a, uh, I did a blazer with a couple lapel pins. So, you know, not looking like a college student diehard face painting fan, but yeah. actually yeah. looking a little bit more kind of like professional. A little yeah. Bit. Look, look, look in the part, looking like you're supposed to be there. 
And that was key, Rob, because when I first got to the stadium, I went over to the will call and I got the ticket that had been gifted to me from our friend. And I get into the stadium, like the first person in the stadium, like an hour and a half before tip off of the first game, which that night was Butler and Michigan State, which you'll give a little synopsis of how tight that game was in just a minute. But before it got started, Rob, I walked down all the way, super close, which actually was pretty close to where my seats were. And um, I'm talking with a security guard. I'm chumming it up. And I said to him something along the lines of, hey, listen, would it be all right if I walked down to the court area? And I couldn't believe the guy's answer. He said, absolutely, but just come right back. And Rob, that's exactly what I did. I walked down to the court area. I came right back after 20 minutes but the stadium was starting to fill up. I was down there and I actually went first and foremost onto the court. There's a great picture of me on the court at mid court, right where they tip off with the logo and everything as the stadium's filing in yeah. and somebody was able to take my picture. I mean, there were CEOs, sponsors, they were all getting their pictures. Nance was there, Grand Hill was there. The celebrities were out and there was my, that's where you first met Nance, right? On that, on that day. Right. And I'll get into that right now because Rob, it was incredible. I walked right over to the guy and uh, I said, I said, Rob, there was a show that you and I used to watch called yesterday. Do you remember yesterday? Of course. Have a good one. Exactly. I busted out a quote from that when he made a guest appearance on that show and I quoted him. And it was a final four reference about brawling for all the beads on Bourbon Street down in Nolens, um, something along those lines. And I said it to him and he goes, what's that from? He looked at me puzzled and I gave him one of these little like little taps to like the chest there, just a light tap. And I go, I go, yes, dear. Yes, dear. You don't remember that? And he goes, that's right. That's right. And then he followed it by saying, let's get a picture. He said those words. So I I gave my phone over uh, to someone that he actually introduced me to, which was like his right hand woman that you and I become Mm -hmm. very friendly with uh, a decade later now, all of a sudden, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And um, so I chummed it up with him for a little while and got to, like you said, see a few others down there. But I respected the security guard. I appreciated him, led me down there. So there I was. I went back to my seat, which, oh, by the way, was first row with Mrs. K, Mickey Shashevsky on my left. <laughs> and the starting point guard's mom, Nolan Smith's mother, on my right. So I was right there. The university president was in the same row. The seats were bonkers, to say the least. Almost as crazy as the game was. Yeah, and you're you're at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. So this is a NFL stadium that's converted into a Final Four setup. So the place is huge. Um, you know, it's not cut off in half or anything like that. It's like packed, um, you know, 80, 90,000 screaming fans. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, just to give a le- recap of the games. Uh, so, so Butler defeated Michigan state 52 to 50, and then Duke defeated West Virginia 78 to 57. So it was the first time since 1972 that the host city had a home team in the final four. The last time was when UCLA went in 1972. The Butler Bulldogs playing in their hometown six miles from, from their campus 
faced off against the Spartans from Michigan State in a tough physical game. Butler forced 16 Michigan State turnovers and held the Spartans to zero fast point fast break points. The Bulldogs also out-rebounded Michigan State. With uh, the victory, Butler became the fourth team in NCAA history uh, to hold the first um, uh, five opponents to under 60 points. So they are a defensive-minded team, Rick. And that came into uh, full effect in the uh, championship game. Duke, on the other hand, was the number one seed from the South region, and the West Virginia Mountaineers were the number two seed from the East region. They squared off in the second of the final four games. So you got to witness, you, you got to hang out and watch Michigan State and Butler play. Now I'm going to pause here before I get into the Duke like game. Like, what were you thinking? You were like, oh, Butler's now Butler's playing. So it's going to be Duke or West Virginia against Butler, right? Well, what's neat, Rob, is the stadium is split up into quadrants. They allocate tickets for all four teams' fan bases into quarters of the stadium. So a quarter of the stadium was Butler fans. A quarter of the stadium was West Virginia fans, Michigan State, and Duke. Now, Michigan State and Duke fans, not a lot of them, not the majority of them, had really filed in for the game just yet. It was primarily Butler and you mean West Virginia? You mean West yes, Virginia? Yes, yes, yeah. sorry. West Virginia, Michigan State, uh, excuse me, Butler and Michigan State, my apologies, they were playing in the first game, and that's really what the stadium felt like. It felt like a Spartans versus Bulldogs game. However, um, the Bulldogs fans got a hold of a lot of tickets. They were so close to home, six miles from their campus, that it was a predominantly strong Butler crowd. You could just really hear it. And Michigan State had just come off of losing the national championship the year before. So um, they too felt like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is our year. Yeah. Um, they brought a good fan base. But when Butler ended up winning, the Michigan State fans left the building. They were sad. They were depressed. And Butler- No reason fans, to stay. No reason to stay. They stuck around. They watched some of the games. They went out and celebrated. But really- now here's where I'm excited the most because now I'm about to watch Duke, who I'm there to cheer on, uh, possibly play in a game that will get them to the national championship. So yeah, it was really awesome. It was insane. Uh, really cool. And now Duke uh, playing the number two team out of the East, uh, West Virginia Mountaineers. Okay, um, Duke showed off its full potential in that game, hitting 53% of its shots. Um, while shredding West Virginia's 1-3-1 zone trap. Duke led 39-31 at half and maintained its red-hot shooting in the second half. Kyle Singler scored 21 points for the Blue Devils. Nolan Smith added 19 with six assists. With the victory, Duke advanced to its 10th NCAA championship game. Now, Rick, walk us through that, like, you're watching Duke ups eight at halftime. Like, you know, you got to be thinking, okay, they're red hot. Like, like they can't be stopped. They really couldn't be stopped, Rob. They were lights out. That was probably the best game they played all tournament. And West Virginia ran into a buzzsaw. That's as simply as I can say it. Yeah. And I was feeling good throughout the whole game. At no point did I think that they were really going to lose. And uh, they win. And Duke is excited. Michigan State fans are depressed. West Virginia fans are depressed, but Butler is going crazy. The city is hopping at this point. 
I walk out of the stadium afterwards, Rob, and I go to a local bar, which happened to be, I didn't even realize it, but it was the Michigan State Hotel where there was a bar downstairs Mm -hmm. and Coach Izzo was chilling at the bar, drinking like a scotch. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was just, he had everybody in the stitches. He was, had everybody laughing. Um, I didn't get a picture with him. I regretfully didn't get a picture with him. Yeah, it's okay. um, In the company. And uh, he was, you know, doing the best he could after having just lost for the second year in a row coming so, so close. Mm. I went out uh, that night with a couple more people, uh, some of which uh, our friend had put us in touch with that were Duke fans. Some people that were out there from Indiana, from your friend's brother. So um, just interacting and mingling with anybody and everybody. I ended up that night sleeping in a hotel room on the floor and uh got to find a way make it happen <laughs> shelter exactly shelter. Was, at the crack of dawn i got up everybody else was sleeping passed out hung over whatever you want to call it and i tiptoed over bodies grabbed my belongings never to see any of them ever again to this day it's now sunday morning and it's a beautiful morning and i'm walking around downtown indianapolis and i come across a street corner and as i'm going across Jim Nance is with his entire family. Wow. Yeah. And so here again, two days in a row, my idol. And uh, we said, hi. Uh, He introduced me to his family. It was really cool. He was so nice. It was like he had remembered our interaction, which was cool. I don't know if he actually did, but it was just two back to back within 24 hours of him being as kind as could be. Uh, He's a friend of the pod. He's been on our podcast here. And, you know, I have nothing but great things to say about Mr. Nance. Absolutely. Rob. What up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt the regular programming right here, but Rick and I have to pay the bills, so we're going to run an ad. This ad is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. I met up with Casey, our friend, in their hotel, Duke Hotel room, and I hung for a little while. This is on this is on like Sunday afternoon. And now our um, friend Casey, like we have to describe Casey. Casey was the walk on. So he really just got playing time when they were destroying teams. I think he saw no minutes in, in, in the tournament, um, which is fine. But like now, Rick, you're trying to attach yourself to, to the guy that's the walk on. <laughs> Casey listen, had some big balls and, and, and hooked it up for you. <laughs> he sure did. He sure did. Forever uh, grateful for the experience that he uh, provided and uh, such a good guy. So here we are, Rob, I'm hanging in the hotel room and this is where the Brothers Brandt listeners can only get this content here at the Brothers Brandt podcast. You can't find this anywhere else. Two hilarious stories that I'll uh, forever remember. And we're in the hotel room. It's Sunday afternoon, um, the eve of Monday night's national championship game. And a couple star players happen to stroll in. We're watching a little TV, a little ESP. 
ESPN and uh, the legendary uh, basketball commentator, Dickie V. He's going off. Like he is just doing a typical Dickie V type rant, rant. talking about rant. the keys to success. Uh, if Duke's going to win a national championship tomorrow night, what it's going to take. And Rob, he doubled down on it. He talked exclusively about one player in particular, Mr. Brian Zubak, who was their center. He was a massive guy, a dominating presence down low. And Dickie V felt like if this guy doesn't have the greatest game of his career, then Duke's not going to win a national championship. And he was just going on and on and on. And then on ESPN, it goes, well, we'll cut to commercial break. And they go to commercial and there's like five or six of us just chilling in the room and watching this and nobody's saying anything. And as they go to commercial break, all eyes just turned and everybody looked over at Brian, who's sitting there watching Dickie V go on this tangent. They rip into him. <laughs> and Brian just looks around and goes, well, I guess I got to have a big game tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> classic. So classic. <laughs> And what was funny, too, was that Brian, now they didn't end up doing this, but he came in with a lot of enthusiasm that night into the hotel room. And he was like, hey, guys, listen, I heard about the Duke team that won it years ago. And apparently they got really hammered the night before. They just got like a couple 30 packs and drank a bunch of beer. And you know what? I think we should do that tonight. Like, you know, for old time's sake and to do what the guys did before us. I think that's the recipe for success. And everybody looked at him and was like, Brian, we're not doing that. We need the game tomorrow night. We need to stay focused. <laughs> so those were two hilarious memories that I will never forget. And uh, but here it was, Rob. It's so so hold, hold on. So, yeah. So curfew. Yeah, yeah. Get to this. Get to this. It's curfew. It's an early bedtime. They got to get to bed early. They got a big game tomorrow night. Here I am. I can't be chilling in the hotel room. At least not for this time. Besides. There is so much to do. Sunday night, Rob, was the night. There were free concerts going on in downtown Indianapolis. They had a stage, a park, um, interactions, and just all these activities for fans to do. So I was there to have some fun. Rob, we had Stone Temple Pilots. We had Incubus, the Goo Goo Dolls, one of my favorite bands of all time. Free concerts, seeing these bands perform. And that's what I did. I went there and I had a blast. I watched the shows. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to secure any hotel floors to sleep on that night. So I'm just going to say here on the down low that I ended up coming back to the hotel, slipping into the room, grabbing a little Z's on the couch, and we'll leave it at that, okay? I don't know if that's technically what you're supposed to be doing the night before, but I <laughs> Casey, Casey got you back into the room. He said, you know, it's usually, you know, when you hear these things on ESPN and they flash across the ticker, it's usually like so-and-so NFL player breaks curfew before Super Bowl, brings in uh, Victoria's Secret model. And, and here we have Casey slipping you in the back door. <laughs> Brothers Brand sleeps on couch, <laughs> homeless, and, <laughs> homeless and indie. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> what a night, what a night. And uh, Maybe that was the recipe for success in Duke's championship. I think so. I think it played a big factor in the outcome. The following night. <laughs> All right. So Here let's get, let's, get to, championship. let's get to this game. Monday's national championship game. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to let you tell like how it happened and all that stuff and the game. Cause you were there and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it a disservice. So I'm going to let you do that, but fair enough. Fair um, enough. It, it, it was the first title game. I'll, I'll give the little background though. Um, it was the first title game between two private universities in 25 years. The last time two private universities faced off was Villanova versus Georgetown in 1985. Okay. Um, it was also the first time that a host school played in the final four, uh, final four championship game since Louisville did in 1959. It was Duke's first national championship since 2001 and fourth overall. Okay. Rick, I'm going to, there were 70,000 fans in attendance, Rick, Talk about what this was like from the opening warmups to the national anthem to the game, halftime, all the all the fields. Sure. So you're right, Rob. Over 70,000 fans poured into Lucas Oil Stadium for this matchup that would go down in history as one of the greatest national championships of all time. New York Times had called it the most eagerly anticipated national championships ever. And I was one of the first fans to the stadium that afternoon, as I was a few nights previous for the Final Four. But I was there early to get a ticket at the will call. And when I got my ticket, it was also accompanied by a uh, very elderly, kind, soft-spoken woman who worked for the Duke Athletic Program. And when I came in and got my ticket, I also received a wristband and she said, put the wristband on. And I said, absolutely, what is it for? And she said, this lady had to have been 80 years old. She said, with all the confidence in the world, tonight, after we win the game, we are going to have a celebration party at the Duke Hotel in the ballroom and you're invited. For family and friends, Rob. It was an intimate setting that we'll wow. get into in just a little while, but I had chills when I walked in the stadium and this woman gave me the wristband. I knew it was gonna be a memorable night. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what ensued. So here we go, Rob. The game kicks off and it's a tight one. It is as tight as it can be. The atmosphere is electric because I, as, as I mentioned earlier, the stadium was split into quadrants with fans during the final four. But two of the four teams lost and left town. That meant two of those quarters of the stadium were now available for purchase. The tickets were available to anybody that mm -hmm. happened to be in the area. And oh, by the way, Butler fans bought them all, okay? They sure. bought the whole stadium, Rob. There were 70,000 fans there. I'm pretty sure 60,000 of them were cheering for Butler that night. It was electric. You could barely hear yourself thinking. And it was back and forth. Teams were trading shots in the first half. It was 33-32 at halftime. I mean, we had a nail biter here. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it just so happened that our friend, he also was super close with one of his uh, teammates. And that gentleman was Kyle Singler, who went on to win uh, the most valuable player of that year's March Madness Final Four, most outstanding player, they call it. He dropped 19 that night, and uh, he was playing really well. But... Really, Rob, what it came down to was at the very end of the game. And I'm sure any college basketball fan out there will remember the Gordon Hayward half court shot at the buzzer. I'll give a little recap on that. So basically, with three Do seconds it. left to play, Duke was up by one. 
Brian Zubek, who Dickie V had alluded to the night before, had to have a big game. He went to the free throw line with three seconds left. Duke was already leading by one point. He knocks down the first free throw to make it a two-point Duke lead with three seconds remaining. And at this point, a timeout was called. And Brian Zubek comes back out and intentionally misses the second free throw. It's rebounded by Butler, Gordon Hayward. He takes the ball, and as quickly as he can, he gets to about half court, and he heaves up this ball, Rob. Now, this ball goes flying up as high as you could imagine, and the whole night you couldn't hear anything until that moment when you could hear a pin drop in that stadium, okay? He launches this heave from half court, and you could see the rotation of the basketball. You could see the inscription of NCAA on the basketball. I know, I know, it was pretty crazy. Rob, the ball bounced off the backboard and then the rim. According to analysis done by ESPN after the fact, Gordon Hayward's aim was off by less than three inches or less than one degree on the x-axis it couldn't have been any closer to going in and i will go to my grave thinking to myself if that shot had dropped in that would have been the ultimate cinderella story i don't think i would have even been mad because i would have been at the cinderella of all cinderellas it didn't fall though it wasn't butler's night it was duke's night and confetti rained down As I mentioned, Kyle Singler was awarded the most outstanding player, scoring 19 points, eight rebounds in that championship game. And watching my friend cut down the nets and go into the Duke Hotel that night, the lobby was packed. It was a madhouse. It took them hours to get from the locker room back to their hotel. But when they did, the champagne was flowing. Keep in mind, nobody's like 21 yet. Everybody's like <laughs> still underage. But uh, it was an intimate party down in the Duke Hotel ballroom. And uh, I got a chance to meet Coach K. He had a little, I don't know if he was drinking a vodka tonic or what, but he had a little glass with a little like olive in it. It was, it looked good, looked good. And I'm looked not good. For, looked good. For drinking, but um, it was really cool. Now, uh, I must say, one of the cool things that I did at the national championship was they had these seat cushions, Rob, Yeah, all over all the seats. It was like a nice little giveaway to every fan who was sitting down in the lower bowl. Yeah, And uh, I did pick up my fair share of seat cushions. I had about 10 seat cushions, which I brought back to you and others. <laughs> I remember um, that. I remember that. <laughs> I got players to sign them. Like, I don't know what I was doing with all these seat cushions <laughs> with the final four logo on them, but we had those things for many years after. We did. We did have them. And, and uh, what was funny, and here's like the last story to bring it all together here, how the weekend concluded, was I had thought perhaps there might be an opportunity to buy a one-way ticket now at this point, a flight out of Indianapolis back to New Jersey, no problem. There was a big problem. The Final Four just ended. And 100,000 people now wanted to depart Indianapolis and ticket prices were sky high. There were none available. And if you wanted to wait on uh, standby, you were going to pay an arm and a leg. And I didn't have any arms or legs to give up. All I had were seat cushions and they weren't accepting seat cushions. (laughs) 
So here we were uh, in a conundrum because my friend and the entire Duke team are flying out the next morning, Tuesday morning, they're shipping back to Durham to celebrate. They're gone. And they're gone. And so I had to be gone. So what we did was <laughs> we ended up. You want to be? Be gone. You want to be? I ended up. Be we, gone. We, we got myself a one-way Greyhound bus 13-hour ticket to ride from Indianapolis, Indiana to Newark, New Jersey. They made one pit stop. There was one pit stop along the way, and that was in Pittsburgh. And it was not to go to the restroom. But as the conductor of the bus said, all right, it's cigarette break time. Everybody get out. <laughs> so that just highlights to you the uh, compadres I had on this bus. <laughs> I thought I was going to have the bus to myself. <laughs> I thought I'd be sleeping very comfortably. That wasn't the case, Rob. It's a sad, sad world that we live in. But uh, people, uh, unfortunately, travel Greyhound buses all over the country with just the clothing on their backs and uh, any small possessions that they can fit into a backpack. So it was uh, for a 20-something year old, it was a little, a little eye-opening. And uh, when I was asked to put my possessions below in storage underneath the bus um, where they have the compartments for your luggage, I politely declined and I held on to all of my Tennessee <laughs> cushions along with my backpack and possessions. And if it wasn't for my iPod, I probably would have not made it 13 hours, but nonetheless, I did. And here's where the disaster only exacerbated itself. I pull into Newark, Rob, and it is, it's late now. It's like maybe nine, 10 o'clock at night. And Newark, New Jersey, for our listeners, is a rough area. It's probably one of the most roughest areas in the state of New Jersey. They had a train station that I would be hopping on a train that would take me from about 10 minutes in Newark to my college. And uh, this is late in the evening on Tuesday because I have to get up early at like four or five o'clock in the morning for spring practice, my last spring practice of my football senior year. Um, here I am, Rob, I pull into Newark and there's nobody around, not a car. You don't see anybody walking the streets, which is very uncharacteristic of Newark, even at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock on a weeknight. But what you did see was you saw all of the TV station vans all parked outside the train station. You know, so you had Fox, you had CBS, you had NBC, you see, uh, you know, the lights flickering from the ambulances and the police cars and the fire trucks. And here I am thinking to myself, oh, goodness gracious, what what is going on now? Well, it turned out, Rob, it was Newark's first murder in 33 days, which was a record at the time. They had went 33 days without a murder in the city of Newark. And here I was, apparently, when I asked, the guy said, you just missed it. Just happened. <laughs> just happened two minutes ago, man. <laughs> it could have been you. I think exactly that, what he said. I think this story is absolutely absurd. And then like, the, the lengths that you went to to go and check out this this tournament and the Final Four and just, you know, none of your other friends went and you found a way to make it happen. You were playing spring football in college and you had to get back for like a Tuesday or a, a Wednesday practice at that point. <laughs> um, and it was just the sacrifices that you made sleeping on floors uh sneaking back into the duke room <laughs> ha 
hanging out with Coach K, Jim Nance. I mean, what a fairy tale weekend for you and a weekend that will uh, you'll remember for the rest of your life and our listeners will remember for the rest of their lives. And, you know, it just goes to show you what I took away from that was no excuses, find a way. No excuses, find a way to get it done, to get out there, to, to see one of the coolest events possible. And also just, you don't want to live with regret. I'm sure a lot of the friends that were in that group thread like regret it to this day that they didn't make it happen. And you did it with $80 to your pocket. <laughs> Rob, you're absolutely right. I appreciate those kind words. And I think you're absolutely right. The commitment was there and I gave it my all. We were young, we were in college, having a good time, a little naive, but in this example, it paid off and uh, memories that'll last a lifetime. I hope the listeners out there got a chance to enjoy this March Madness themed episode of the Brothers Brandt podcast. For all you listeners out there, I'm Rick Brandt. And I'm Rob Brandt, and we're the Brothers Brandt. Thanks for listening. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.